0: Say amen. amen. Let's look at Luke chapter 2 again. By God's help and God's grace, I believe we can do this. Now, we, don't, we do not collect offering in the service. There's offering boxes all over the building. Um, also, you can register to give online on an automatic basis, uh, online or through our CTC app, in which you can also get the sermons, by the way. If you download the app, you'll get a notification. Uh, Every Monday or Tuesday, letting you know the sermon is available for you to listen to. You can also set up your giving through that. I do want to thank you for your giving. We're wrapping up the year uh, now. There's still opportunity to do an in-year, a year-end gift. If you would like to do so, you can do that. We'll make sure that it goes toward those things that we are hoping to be able to do with recovering the parking lot, things of of that nature uh, that will help help us facility-wise and building-wise. So year-end gifts... Uh, a blessing to give, can't beat God giving. Thank you, though, for being faithful in your tithing and in giving of your offering. Uh, God is just good to us, and good to us as a church. And I know God is good to you. I know God is good to you uh, because God keeps His promises. Who can say yes and amen to that? God keeps His promises. You cannot beat God giving. Amen. amen. Cannot beat God giving. God is a God of generosity. And it behooves us to live a generous life. Luke chapter 2. I'll read verses 8. I'll read down through 14. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. Angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The, the theme of the message is the star of joy. The star of joy. We've been doing a series on the advent, uh, the star, the journey. The first week we shared about hope and being prisoners of hope and how we can, as the scripture says, we can return to the stronghold. We define that stronghold being our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the one that we turn to or return to those that have have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and have walked away from that relationship, it's Christ that you come back to. He's the stronghold. He's the steady. He's the constant. He's the one that you can always count on. He's the solid rock. He's the fortress, the scripture says. So we return to the stronghold, and there's a cry from the scriptures in Zechariah, you prisoners of hope return to the stronghold, which speaks about people's life in general. That even people that are in conditions that are challenging and, and when people are in conditions that are less than desirable for their life, there's a cry from within them for the hope of God or hope of things getting better or life being better. And even people that live in down and out situations Internally, there's that desire to want to be in that right relationship with God. God created that. He put that in us. We're all made in the very image of God. And within every one of us is that internal desire to be in relationship with the creator of the planet. We would be out of order and live life out of order if there's not an alignment with the almighty God. And many of us spend most of our life or a lot of our life in that setting out of order. But there's a cry to every man and every woman to come to the stronghold, to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we dealt with that in the first message. That was the message on hope. And then we, last week we talked about love coming down and how God in his graciousness gave us the greatest gift he could have gave us. And that was the life of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The life given to us so that we can witness who God is through Jesus. It's Jesus himself that expresses the very image of God, the very God of the very God, the very person of him. If you want to know God, we get to know him through Jesus Christ. He sent his son down to earth so mankind can have a knowledge of who God is. But he didn't stop there by just sending him to reveal life. He also, this same Jesus, took up on our sins and died on the cross for every one of us. It was the ultimate definition and depiction of what God's love is all about. God's desire is to forgive mankind of all of their sins. There is no desire in God whatsoever that anybody would be separated from him. When God created this planet, he created this planet so that he can love. And the love that he wants to show is to all people. That love is ultimately expressed in the eternal economy of God when all mankind from his desire are able to live with him for all eternity. In a place where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more disease, no more death, no more disappointment. None of those things that affect us, you ain't never got to worry about being broke. You ain't got to worry about getting evicted out of your house. You ain't got to worry about nobody repoing your car. Your car is you're moving by the Spirit in heaven with the Almighty God. Your house is a mansion that He has built. Your money is living in the presence of the Almighty God where you lack nothing. That's the desire that God has for all of us. And through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has made a way for every one of us to have a right relationship with him by the forgiveness of sins that comes through the death of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen. Now this week we want to talk about joy. And the scripture here that we just read, it's, it's fitting, I think, that it's, it's an angel that brings the first evangelical message about the birth of Christ. It's fitting that it's an angel come down from heaven. What's also interesting is it's the sound of an angel that we're also going to hear on the last day of the resurrection. It's an angel that brings the message about Christ being born. What we read in Luke chapter 2 is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, when God gets ready to wrap all of this up for his great return, that the scripture says the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry and a command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. I love this. So an angel brings a message, and an angel comes and lets us know, come on, fellas, it's time to go home. It's a great thing to see what God has done. And he's, the angel is bringing good news of great joy. What, what is this joy? And I know you've probably heard it so many times distinguish between happiness and joy and I think sometimes we get that right. Sometimes it's a little bit hard to kind of make sure that distinction is really clear. But what we know from the biblical definition of joy, that it's a quality. It's a human condition uh, that, that can be experienced through a feeling, but also an action. The Bible uses joy in both senses, and sometimes action is actually used with the word rejoicing. That comes from the fact that there is joy. But but a person experiences joy when certain favorable circumstances happen. Joy is something that's experienced. Now, let, let me say this. You cannot create joy. You might be able to create happiness, but you cannot create joy and you cannot command joy because it's a quality that, that is part of who you are. It becomes a part of you. Happiness, as you know, certain events can come and go. If, if I can just maybe say it like this, whenever one of my teams wins, whether it be Dodgers, whether it be Lakers, whether it be Raiders, none of that ain't been happening too well lately. Whether it be human Catholic, whatever whenever one of my teams win, there's happiness. Those of you that hunt, when you go tag a deer or an elk, happiness. Work on a job and you get a bonus, happiness. So you get favorable news regarding one of your family members or friends, it's happiness. And, and you can go on, you can, you can think about things that make you happy. But I want you to think about this for a minute. Those same things that I just described to you that make you happy can also cause you disappointment or despair. When my team loses, I'm not happy. I'm unhappy. If you go out on a hunt and you stay out there seven, eight, nine days and don't bring home a deer, you're not too happy. The same phone call that you got yesterday that gave you happiness from one of your relatives can be another phone call the next day that causes disappointment. The same job that can give you a bonus that causes happiness is the same job you can walk into and the man says, we're closing down the business. So happiness is something that comes and goes based on certain things that take place. Joy is different. As a matter of fact, the word for joy in the New Testament, the word chara, it it means just this. It's a noun, first of all. Which means, as you know from, from English, I know all of y'all didn't get the education I did. Yuma High School is one of the best on education. I learned very well. well. I learned what a noun is. It's a person, place, or thing. I learned how to sing it. I learned how to cheer it. A noun is a person, place, or thing. And the word joy here is a noun. So right away, it takes away the subjectiveness of a feeling because it's not simply an emotion. It's a noun, but here's even further with the meaning of this word. It's very objective. It's a direct object from a singular person or a singular event. Now, I want you to catch this. Let me just see if I can describe it like this. Every now and then, I'll wear one of, my, one of our championship rings from football. Now, let me tell you something about, about this. I can tell you every, the feeling I had for every game, that every time we won the championship, I can tell you the feeling I had. But I can also tell you the feeling I've had when we lost games. I can tell you the feeling I've had games that we should have won that we lost. I can tell you the feeling I had when the season ended and we didn't win the championship. And since we've only won three out of 12 years, I've had more of that unhappy feeling than I have had of the good feeling because that comes and go. There's times when I I don't want to be with the team. There's times when I think the team looks terrible. There's times when I know this ain't going to work good. There's times when I'm completely unhappy being a coach. But can I tell you something? Every time I put one of these rings on, there's a joy because you cannot take away what took place that caused me to wear this ring. There's no happiness coming and going when I put the ring on. That's a joy. That was a single event that brought a a, a quality in my life that can never go away. Watch this. I can lose the first game of next season, but when I put this ring on, I still have joy. Are you following me so far? It's a single event that brings to a certain... Let let me just go this farther. maybe I can be re-real here for a minute. I just got married, and right now I'm very very happy, very happy. Now, I, I, and and I hope it stays that way every single moment, but I ain't that foolish. I know that there's going to be some times of unhappiness but every time I put this ring on, there's joy that can never go away. There may be moments of happiness, but never the joy is lost. I love seeing my grandchildren. I love when I see them. I love when they come to the house. Soon as they come to the house, whether it be Arya, whether it be Mila, whether it be Leah, whether it be Elsie, I love seeing the grandchildren. Happy to see them, but three minutes after they're there, when Arya then wrote all over my sermon with a crayon, and Mila then then pulled the speakers out of the wall and, and Leah then smashed Plato on the carpet, the feeling of unhappiness goes. But the very fact that God has blessed me with grandchildren through the miracle of my children and conception, that is joy that can never go away. Can you say amen? And so that happiness that we have that the Scripture tells us is a joy, that happiness comes and goes, but joy is something that comes directly from God. I looked at this text, and first I thought I would just jump into what was happening here, but I want to tell you something about these shepherds. Many of you may know shepherds are, in that day, are people who had no credibility. As a matter of fact, shepherds could not even be used as witnesses. During that time, they were considered the lowest people on the earth. Yet they were still part of the Jewish community, but not necessarily involved in the community like others could be. They were considered thieves. They were considered liars. They were considered uh, people that could not be trusted. Excuse me. Considered people that could not be trusted. And so here they are doing their job. First of all, they're always ostracized, number one, because of their job, number two, just because of social status. But here they are out there in these fields, and the angel of the Lord comes to them and gives them the message of Christ being born. Now, I want you to know something. Even though the shepherds could not involve themselves in Jewish life like they wanted to or like others could because of their status, the one thing that strikes them is, or one thing that they knew, is that the promises of God, the, the things that they read in the Old Testament, the things of the Old Testament text, and the covenant of God was something that they expected and hoped to come. Even though they didn't enjoy all the things like a whole lot of other people could, they didn't necessarily put away what they knew was the promises of God in old. So, for example, even though they were a shepherd, they could remember that God said in Genesis chapter 3, in the text that we list is Genesis chapter 3, that it says that the seed of the woman would crush the head of a serpent. They knew that that was a passage referring to the Messiah. They also could think about the promise of, um, Ab- of, uh, of Abraham that through him families and nations throughout the earth would be blessed. They could think about the promises through all the mouths of the prophets and the saints of old. They could think about those things when they hear that the angel is saying, the babe is born in the manger. He's here. Christ the Lord, glory to God in the highest. The angel's response, the reason they responded in the manner that they could or did is because they thought about those things that was promises and said this is the fulfillment of what was happening and here it is finally it's come the promise of God has been kept and he says this babe will bring joy he was our Lord he was our Savior he's being born in a manger and it wasn't honestly the what makes this so great it's a time that God comes to bring joy We've seen in the Scripture where there's been times where God has come through the earth, either through angels, like even in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, and that was for a time of destruction, but not this time. This was a time where the, where the Lord comes to save humanity. Somebody read the Scripture earlier, or maybe we sung it in a song. It's Matthew 1, 21 through 23. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is who this Christ is. This is who this baby is. This is who this Savior is. We sing the song, and I love the song. Joy has a name. Victory has a name. Hope has a name. Love has a name, and that name is Jesus. He is the one that's born in the manger that brings joy to the world. And the message that the shepherds had to share was concerning this to go see this babe, share the message about this babe so that everyone would have the opportunity to know him as Lord and Savior for themselves. I often think about the story of the woman that was at the well in Samaria, the one that Jesus talked to. Disciples had bailed out Jesus talked to the woman at the well. That's the woman that he told the story. You know, bring your husband. The woman said, well, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, that's right. You've had five husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband. And he begins to tell her who he is. The woman recognizes that this is the Messiah. And she runs into the city to tell the people that I have found the Messiah. And he's out at the well, Jacob's well. And the people run out to the well. And I love this passage in verse 42 of John chapter 4 because after they got there and they listened to Jesus, this is what they said. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. That's the place that all of us have to come to, that we recognize that there is a Savior of the world. Now, I got to tell you this, if, you don't, if there is not a Savior in your life, it's not good news after that, because I'm telling you, the world and life is not on a course where it can fix itself. We're not designed to fix ourselves. As a matter of fact, the course of the world is not designed to fix fix itself. That's why we need a Savior. A Savior steps in and rescues us from our sin and rescues us, honestly, from ourselves. If any of us are left to ourselves, to our own thinking and our own mindset and our own actions and our own behaviors, every one of us is susceptible to be destructive to us and to others. But thank God there is a Jesus who is able to come into our life, and the things that are in our life that are out of order, he's able to set back in order. He's able to get my mind right. He's able to get my heart right. He's able to help me to have the right behavior. We all need a Savior, and Jesus is the Savior of the world. Can you say amen? Now, now that message that they gave, it says it was a message of joy to all people. Now, I'm going to admit something here that that happens every now and then. And I remember preaching a message on this years ago, and I remember saying that the only ones that would experience the joy of Jesus is those that have Christ in their life. During the study of this sermon, I found out that I misstated that. Because when Jesus said, when the angel said, it's joy to all people, I discovered something that I had not discovered before. Because all people means just that. The coming of Christ can bring joy to all people, a measure of joy, even to those who are not Christians. Because even those who have not necessarily received the joy in the highest and truest sense, when the joy of the Lord is operating in our life, those of us who are believers, even people in our city, in our community, in our household, in our neighborhoods, they see the joy of the Lord working and how that's having an effect on everybody around us. Now, let me, let me try to... To, to say it like like this, I I know you know maybe not all of you stay involved with with politics as as much as I do, and you know they got the battle of the of the tax cuts, which I'm all for tax cuts. A matter of fact, they can they can say nobody pays taxes. I'd be fine, but but the battle is you know trying to define you know who these tax cuts really are for. If they're really for the rich, if they're really for the middle and the the middle class people or you know, people who need more help, are they going to experience it? And and let me just tell you something. That's always going to be the case with government stuff. It's always going to be the case with government stuff. No matter how much the government says they're a government for all people, it's always going to be some people left out. That's just the way it is. But thank God we got a king of kings and lord of lords who really does have a heart for all people. And there's a passage that's that just jumped out at me when I thought, oh my, I might have been stating this wrong before. And it's in Acts chapter 8, 4 through 8. And I'm not sure if it's on the screen, but here's the passage. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. This was after the day of Pentecost. This is during the birth of the, of the church. After the, sorry, after the birth of the church, the gospel is being preached throughout Jerusalem and through other parts of the earth. And then Philip, one of those ones who was ordained as a deacon in chapter 6, he went down to the city of Samaria, and there he proclaimed to them the Christ. He went down there to the city of Samaria and preaching Jesus. Listen to this. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip, and when they heard him and saw the signs that he did, listen to this, unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Watch this. So that there was much joy in that city. And when I saw that, I saw my God, I see something bigger than what I've ever saw before. Because this is what the Lord is saying to us. Certainly, and I'll get to that in just a minute, there is an ultimate joy that comes in knowing that God is your Lord and Savior. But for us as believers, we can spread the joy of the Lord by doing the things that God has gifted us and empowered us to do. When we lay hands on the sick, I don't care if they're a Christian or a non-Christian. When your mama gets healed, everybody gets joyful about that. When we cast out demons, I don't care if it's not your child. When it's somebody else's child, joy floods through the household. When we're able to bless people that are poor and people that are low income and do the works of God, joy floods through the city. So when the Lord says, I'm bringing joy to all people, yes, ultimately the joy is that he is our Lord and Savior. But if we as Christians are joyful and really put on a Christmas face instead of a Halloween face and do the work of the Lord, then we'll see joy throughout the community because there's a flood of Jesus Christ flooding through the land. Can you say amen? This is what Psalm 46, 4 and 5 says, a river brings joy to the city of our God the sacred home of the Most High, God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed from the very break of day. God will protect it. Joy, that's what he's bringing to us and to mankind. There's a few verses I'm going to wrap this up with because the only way to experience this joy is to allow the Lord God Almighty to work in our life and to pour that joy out, this is, this is a great verse. Psalm 43, 4, listen to this. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. Let me, let me just say this to you. Because again, every one of us may walk through different seasons and stages in our life where not everything goes like we wanted. Some of the happiness that we would want to have is just not working. But I'm going to tell you something. You can never go before the presence of the Lord and not leave joyful. Let me say that again. You can never go before the presence of the Lord and not leave joyful. Because that's who God is. Joy has a name. That's who God is. And it comes from a constant God and the only way that you can absolutely trust that joy will always be steady is go to the one that's always constant. And God is always a constant God and the scripture says, I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And this same God the scripture says fills us with joy. Listen to this, Romans 15:13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, So that the power of the Holy Spirit, sorry, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Let me read that one more time because you, 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 you ought to want to get some of this. Listen to this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Now, right there, you ought to say, I want some of that. Joy and peace, come on. Who, who, won't, who doesn't want that? So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. That comes from our Lord God Almighty. And it's not just joy now. That's the great thing about it. It's joy now and forevermore. Listen to Psalm 1611. It says, this is talking about the Lord. You will show me the way of life. That's talking about the Almighty God. Now we can create our own ways of life. We can make our own ways. But you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forevermore. That's a bingo right there. He's able to show us the way of life. He's able to show us the direction. He's able to grant that grace to us that we may walk in the manner that he wants us to walk. And he says when we do that, that we remain in the presence of him. And as long as we're in the presence of the Lord, there's joy. Joy. Forevermore. Listen to this great shout out of Isaiah 35. It says, those who have been ransomed ransomed by the Lord will return. Those who've been ransomed, those who've been bought out of the slave market, those who've been bought out of the hands of the oppressors, they will return. This is the promise of them coming out of exile. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear, and they will be filled with joy and gladness. Don't you look forward to the day where there is no more sorrow, no more mourning, no more disappointment, no more heartache, and we just filled with joy. And here's the last verse that I'll share with you. If you don't mind, do you mind standing with me? Here's the, let me read this last verse with you. Let's see what God does for you. We're going to pray. But I want you to take ownership of this verse. Because here's the issue joy is a noun that's objective that comes from a singular person or a singular event that's the issue here you can experience a whole lot of things of happiness and that, that may to some degree gives people a, a good life but happiness won't last not in anything at all But here is something that is always a constant, and that's the joy of the Lord. But there's only one way to have that joy always be a constant, no matter what's going on in life, and that's drinking from the well of salvation that comes from our Lord. Listen to this passage, Isaiah 12. It says, with joy, you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. Listen. In that wonderful day, you will sing. Thank the Lord. Praise his name. Tell the nations what he has done. Let them know how mighty he is. Sing to the Lord, for he has done wonderful things. Make known his praise around the world. Let all the people of Jerusalem shout his praise with joy. For great is the Holy One of Israel who lives among you. Now, oftentimes people say that they can't, when they're going through difficulties and challenges and their own personal struggles, it's hard for them to tell people about how good God is. Why is that? Why is it hard to share about the goodness of God if you're going through a difficult time or, or your family sees you go through things and your friends see you go through things and you, and they ask you, well, Where? Why can't you, why ain't you celebrating the goodness of God now? You'll always be stuck in that situation if you define your condition by circumstances. You'll always be in that condition, and let me just tell you something: there's always going to be a day when something can occur that can cause you some unhappiness, and if you let your life be dictated by that, then you're always stuck. You're always stuck, you're always limited, and you're always restricted. As a matter of fact, you're just not really enjoying life. But if you are able to draw out of the wells of salvation, when you know that it don't matter if I lose my car, lose my house, lose my money, the joy ain't gone because the wells of salvation is still bringing fresh water. I can still sing of the goodness of God. I can still tell of his praises. Come on church, I have been redeemed. I mean brought out of sin, out of darkness, and out of shame and out of guilt and out of nonsense and out of ignorance. We've been brought out of that. So that gives us the joy of the Lord, and only the Lord can do that. You can yes, you can tell people about certain things going on in their life that are not so good, but none of that should ever take away the joy of the Lord. Because it's him and him alone, that singular God that's done that singular event in your life that's liberated your soul. That's the joy I'm talking about. That's the joy that I want you to have. That's the joy that I want you to know. I want you to touch the person next to you. We're just going to pray as a whole. Philip is going to take us out with the doxology. You don't want to miss tonight. It's a whole other message. Tonight, candlelight communion. Great time together with family and friends. It'll be great. Love to see you. Let's go before the Lord. Father, you know, we've we've talked about hope. We've talked about love. Now we've talked about joy. Each of these things we've discovered. The greatness of each one of those conditions that's provided by you. As we contemplate about joy as a whole. Lord, we we recognize times, seasons, days, moments in our life where each one of us, Lord God, can be challenged on how to respond to things that seem undesirable and unpleasant. And we learn to take those to the Lord. We learn to pray. We learn to talk to people about them and, and get through those moments. But Lord, the one thing that I am absolutely grateful for is that the joy that we have from this great salvation is never a concern. Lord, every morning that we wake up, we can thank you for this new life in Christ. As we go through our day, Lord God, we can rejoice that we have an eternal home. When we lay our heads down at night, we, can, we are so full of joy that one of these days we're going to wake up and be in that eternal place. Father, is this joy that we share with others? Is this joy that we impart to our children? Is this joy that we impart to our family and friends? Is this joy a joy that every one of us desires to experience? That's the joy, Lord God, we want to share with others. Today, Lord God, my, my hope is with the people that are hearing the sound of my voice, is that not only have they experienced that joy, but Lord God, with joy. They'll share it with others. Let it be the message on their lips. Let it be the expression of our life. You are the star of joy. Without that baby being born in a manger, without that man Jesus walking on this earth declaring the life and the mission of the Father God, without that man going to a cross, taking up on our sins and dying, for our forgiveness without the great display of resurrection power that raised Him from the dead. None of us can celebrate today with the same manner of joy that we can. And so, Father, we thank You for what You have done. We celebrate the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're so grateful for the hope of glory living in us through the Holy Spirit. And we're thankful for the joy that we have the joy that we share, the joy, Lord God, that is given by you. It's in Christ's name we pray. May the people of God say amen.